Welcome to Moving Panels. I know this is not the normal voice you're used to hearing, but uh, I'm Chad and I'm here with Tim. And we've stolen the show for this week. We're going to give you a little one-shot, a little nerdy conversation, as Laramie says, about uh, we're going we're gonna to hit up gritty versus colorful in the world of comics and movies. Uh, this is an ongoing discussion, you know, how important it is for something to be quote-unquote realistic and real-world based and, and that sort of thing. So uh, we're going to just walk through a few movies and kind of get to the bottom of this. So, <laughs> Tim, what's your initial, before we start, you know, discussing it and arguing it or whatever you want to call it, what's your initial feeling? Do you tend to lean towards gritty or colorful? That is a great question and something I've kind of thought about as preparing for this episode and I'm not sure where I fall just yet. I think I have favorites on both sides, uh, but I think I, it's it's a slightly slightly an edge to the more colorful than the gritty. But I'm not a I'm not an anti gritty superhero fan. What about you? Nice. Honestly, like I, maybe I'm just like trying to be the cool kid or something. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of like leaned towards gritty as a initial thought because i was just like oh yeah you know the dark knight yeah. and you know oh, all yeah, those yeah. kinds of things i was like you know those are those are great movies and I, i'm not sure now i don't know <laughs> that i would i would lean that hard one or the other so right uh, it's interesting let we'll see yeah well let's talk about a few speaking of which you want to start with gritty or colorful let, i'll leave let, it up to let's you. start gritty let's go for the let, let's okay. let's start on the dark side and make our way to the light <laughs> <laughs> nice well, I would. Uh, I already mentioned it. I think the gold seal of approval, whatever you want to call it, the the gold standard right. on gritty side of movies would probably be uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that? One hundred percent. Yeah. And and I love those movies. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was a big fan. Let's go back. You know, eighties flick flashback. Of course, I'm going to go back to the original eighty nine Batman, which kind of introduced the dark, gritty, more gritty side yeah. of Batman. Different than the yeah, 60, Tim Burton's, yeah, yeah. yeah, different than the '60s, you know, uh, TV show oh, yeah. that was much more cartoonish and and you know more bright colors. You really got the Dark Knight, you know, uh, idea, but still had some color too. But yeah, Tim Burton's kind of a dark guy, so it had its its nuances. But then when Nolan took over, I mean, he just he made it where it was dark and real, so it was much more grounded yeah. in reality and made you feel like, oh, this could really happen in a real city that I would, you know, visit or live in, depending on where you are in the country. So, yeah, I think I think Nolan tapped into something that we had not really seen in superhero movies before, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I kind of, this is making me be very philosophical, to be honest <laughs> with you, the more I thought about it. And not to, like, dive too deep, but, and would you make this argument, mm -hmm. I guess is a good question, too. But, like, would you, it's funny to me that we, kind of automatically default to gritty is more i'm making air quotes for because you can't see me guys air uh, is more realistic yeah. real life yeah. uh you know that kind of thing like it's always viewed as the more like real world mm -hmm. thing like nolan was trying to be super realistic mm -hmm. my world is not christopher nolan gritty like uh, it's True. also not christopher nolan pretty to be honest yeah. with you i wish my life was filmed in imax but right you know. right <laughs> But, but like, why do, do you have a theory on that? Like, I, I've just been pondering, like, what makes that the default to more, quote, realistic? I, 
I'm, I'm going to somewhat disagree with you because I can think of things that are dark that aren't realistic. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think Nolan was trying to merge those two things together. Like when I think we're going back. I, yeah. I guess I'm meaning like in, in popular culture, right. like that was his reasoning. Oh, like he was you. being more realistic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like what's the default that makes gritty like more realistic? Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and maybe that's I just, don't know. maybe that's, a, you know, like philosophical, maybe the glass is half full for him. I mean, half empty for him, not half full as it is for us. Maybe. Um, I, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but he does. And that, you know, looking at his whole filmography, does he have a happy movie does he have a bright (laughs) side to his storytelling and i can't think of anything that i've been like i left the theater like i really feel really good about my life right now you know i mean they're all great i mean i'm not they're not all great but most of them are great movies and he has a great eye and is a great storyteller but he's not a steven spielberg where i can i can get get dark and gritty or i can get on the little dark side but still have some hope and some light and some humor added in as well so maybe that's a story that for another is a time fantastic <laughs> yeah that's a fantastic comparison i hadn't thought about spielberg as kind of the other side of that coin. Yeah. that's a because i yeah I, I agree with you i would argue that they're equally gifted storytellers mm-hmm. but yeah you didn't leave the you didn't you didn't see memento and go wow i feel really <laughs> yeah. good about life right yeah. now you know like <laughs> yeah you're more mes- you're mesmerized by the storytelling yeah. and how he how he put a story together. Same thing with like Interstellar or, uh, you know, my favorite is still Inception and still a fantastic movie acting direction, yeah. action sequences, but it's not a, he, even when that spinning top of the end is like, is it a happy ending or is it not? Yeah. So even, yep. even when you, he played, let's you yeah, decide. Even when he yeah. plays with the, let's give you a happy ending, but is it, you know, it's like, ah, uh, you, you devil, you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, and they are very the the Dark Knight trilogy is a very gritty series. Yeah. There's not there's not a lot of color. There's not a lot of positive emotion. It's all very dark and brooding, and you know all that sort of stuff. And and there's very little variance from that. Mm-hmm. I would I would argue the first one is probably the most comic book like. Yeah. There are definitely shots in that where the panels, you're like, that could have been straight from one of the, you know, more noir books. Mm-hmm. But but as it went on, like, you definitely could tell he kind of went down the rabbit hole of, like, how realistic can we get yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, let's move on to another another movie or another series. I mean, yeah. like, Logan, which I know you and Laramie have recently discussed. Uh, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I was not a fan of Logan. And maybe because it was yeah. maybe because it was so dark, it left a bad taste in my mouth. So, uh, you know, we discussed that in length. Me and Laramie do uh, because that's one of my favorites. I think it's a <laughs> brilliant movie. Yeah. Uh, but I but partly because I do have a connection to the comics with that one, yeah. even though, and obviously don't want to discuss that one too much, considering we go in depth in it. Right. But, uh, it has. It's kind of funny because it arguably has the least tenuous. Uh, connection to the comics, right? It's, right. It's it's a very different movie. Yeah. Uh, that that one worked for me. Um, that movie I liked in the sense of it could be a kidnapping drama like Taken mm-hmm. if you remove the superpowers. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you kind of 
you almost don't need the superpowers yeah. in that one. That one just happens to be a Wolverine right. movie. And I'm going to, you know, kind of thing. And when you saying that, I'm going to go ahead and tie that with another one that I was not a fan of. And that was Joker that came out a couple years ago. Yeah. And I've had the same thing to say. If it was not Joker, I would have liked that movie. But because it it felt like it was trying to tell the the flick story, not the Joker story. And if it was just about yeah. him as that person, I would have enjoyed it more. But because they tried to kind of shoehorn shoehorn these comic book references into it, it didn't mesh well for me. And that's not... And that's kind of different from our, our discussion about dark versus colorful. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. those movies were trying to be dark. But I think because they didn't use the comic book elements, it lost some of that. I think that's a very valid point in the conversation. If you're doing something just just for doing it that mm-hmm. way, it, it rarely works out in storytelling. Yeah. Like uh, you need they they need to mesh well. Yeah, Joker. I have a love hate relationship, <laughs> and I, you know. Yeah. Already on on whatever you want to call it on the internet uh, with my opinion on this right. one, uh, I think it's a brilliantly made movie. I struggle with the fact that I kind of don't want a Joker origin yeah. story. Yeah. Like not kind of. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I do not want that story. Yeah, I agree. And yet it's so well done, mm-hmm. uh, man. That one, man. You were talking about you know Nolan movies. You know, kind of leaving the theater. Uh, that one. I did not know how Laramie and I were going to record that episode mm-hmm. because I got done watching it and I was just like, it was like punched in the yeah, gut. Yeah. <laughs> just sitting there like, well, that was super depressing. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So it took a little while to like get over the initial shock mm-hmm. of that movie. Yeah. I, I saw that one in the theater, like opening night or, you know, opening weekend, a packed theater. Yeah. And that was one of the few movies where when it ended, it was just like nobody wanted to move. Like everybody was kind of like, I need yeah, to I sit imagine. and kind of stir on this for a minute because I'm not sure I know what I just watched and how I feel about it. And you could hear kind of whispered conversations as people like nobody was like, you know, you leave an Avengers movie. It was like, everybody's like, hey man, that was awesome. Everybody's like, you know, rah, 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 talking, you know, maybe the end of Infinity War might have been a close second where everybody was like, oh my God, what just happened? How am yeah, I going to, yeah. how am I going to, you know, how am I going to bounce back from this? They just killed Black Panther. You know, what's going to happen? You know, uh, those kind of things. So, but, but yeah, it was, a, it was a very interesting, very interesting experience. And even me on the ride home was like, I've got to write a review for this. And I don't really know what I want to say <laughs> because what, well, like I said before, if it was just an Arthur Fleck movie, I would be giving it rave reviews. But as a Joker movie, I feel like it missed all the things that I wanted from all the things that I didn't want. That it still didn't give me for a joke. I'm sounding like you. I didn't need a Joker origin story. And so the mystery of how he became the Joker is what makes him the Joker, which makes him such a great villain. So I don't need to know why he became the way he is. So, Yeah. If, you, if you're going to just criticize, you know, colorful versus gritty, I would probably argue that gritty or the Joker is the grittiest of the spectrum. I would agree with that. Like that is a... That is a very dark movie. It gets almost too realistic. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely some, like, man, we don't need to get into psychology this deep. This is painful yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of stuff. Let's, uh, we've been hitting on all DC <laughs> movies so far. Let's, let's like, spread out. You know, uh, Marvel is generally viewed as the more 
colorful yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, that sort of thing. But they've got a couple of, of gritty films too. Um, what did you think about Blade? I love Blade. I that's one of my favorites. And funny, I don't think of that as a Marvel movie, maybe because it's not MCU, which we're so accustomed sure. to now. But right. uh, but Blade is fantastic. I, I wouldn't say Blade 2 is great. Blade 3 should never have been made or released. But um, <laughs> but yeah, the first, the first one is definitely great. But once again, it's dark, but it's still fun. It still has a way of being entertaining and dark at the same time, which maybe some of the other ones don't do as well. Okay, so let me throw out a weird question. Since you brought up uh, Blade, you brought up Blade Trinity. So does that movie not work because it's a gritty movie that you decided to insert the pretty people into? And I don't mean that like derogatorily, no. or but but it was like let's get Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Alba yeah, on board with this. Yeah. I think it was just. I don't think it's solely that. I think it was just uneven in so many different ways. Like it, it was an unnecessary sequel, in the sense of, <laughs> like most sequels, no. But, um, but it was like it wasn't a Blade movie anymore. Like it, it felt like, and and if you know the backstory, which I haven't dug deep, but I've read some things, especially recently, about how Wesley Snipes did not want to do the movie and was very adamant about yeah, not wanting to be in the movie. Out, yeah. So it was like they were trying to build these other characters to kind of show less of him. So then it became, is this a Blade movie or is this Ryan Reynolds and uh, was it Jessica Alba or Jessica Biel? Oh yeah, you're right. It's okay, Jessica, Jessica Biel. Sorry, sorry. I, you said it. And so uh, I'm getting my late nineties. <laughs> Jessica's, Jessica's yeah. Mixed there were so up. many sorry. back then. Simpson, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of Jessicas in the nineties. <laughs> so yeah, so I so I don't I don't think it was adding the humor that hurt it as much as just not knowing. It was just an uneven story, an uneven put yeah. together. So. But the comedy didn't help either. And that was before everybody loved Ryan Reynolds' type of humor as well. So he hadn't, right. yeah. he hadn't really won over our hearts at that point where he was just more annoying than he was funny. Yeah. But back to the original Blade. Yeah. I, I think you could make the argument that it's one of the best Marvel yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, it doesn't it doesn't get the, the MCU credit that it probably deserves. And for that matter, like, it was key in spawning comic book movies again there had been a long hiatus since really anything had been done until blade was done i think that this one is uh you know arguably kind of a phone in on the gritty aspect Mm -hmm. it's a vampire movie like it it is of all the things we've talked about probably the easiest thing to just go (laughs) yep this one should be dark dark and brooding because that's the whole genre you know right so I, I don't know if, if that one counts. So the other side of the Marvel coin is the Fantastic Four, the the 2015 version. Yeah. They decided to get to go pretty dark with this one, especially on the off-world mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, what, what was your take on that movie? Once again, and, and once again, knowing the backstory with this one, I love the first probably 45 minutes to first hour of that movie, and then the ending just completely lost me. And from what I understand, the director yeah. felt like the studio took over and he didn't get to make the movie he wanted to. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed it more than the original Fantastic Four movies that came out in the early 2000s. Sure. But, I mean, I I think if that one had been executed the way the director wanted it to, based on what how it started, I think it would have, it would have done much better and I would have liked it more. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, the first... 
two acts yeah. are are probably good. Like it's a good setup. You kind of appreciate how they decided to tell a different yeah. Doctor Doom yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, you change that up a little bit. So it had elements going for it, and then just unravels. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it had everything it needed. So maybe you're right on the on the director portion, but I mean the casting was yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, come on, like that's a great cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it had a lot going for it and then just like slowly undid itself. So, um, but did it make a difference to you gritty versus non gritty? So was it an attractive movie in the sense that that gritty quote unquote real worldism, um, made it interesting versus the, the previous takes on fantastic four, which were a little more colorful and comic booky? Yeah. Like I compared. I think that's an interesting one to compare. Yeah, I think, yeah, if, if I compare the two together, I think I honestly, even though it fell apart at the end, I prefer the newer incarnation of mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. And once again, maybe not so much colorful versus dark as much as just tone, which I guess colorful and dark is kind of a tone if we're saying that <laughs> uh, as I'm as I'm as I'm convincing myself as I'm talking, just right. just tonally it kind of knew what it wanted to be. I think the original Fantastic Four hadn't, didn't know what kind of tone to take. Kind of a lot like some of the more cartoonish superhero movies that we've had. But I was going to ask this question as we're, as we're having this discussion. Maybe this is the discussion we should be having. Which is harder to make and be successful? A dark and brooding Ooh. or a colorful one? And it seemed, oh, yeah, it seems to me like the dark and brooding is harder to pull off because you have to find that balance. Where I think the colorful, which it doesn't always work either, tends to mm-hmm. tends to has a more established pattern. I hate to say it, cookie quarter cookie cutter formula that you can follow, that kind of makes it work a little easier than trying to take risks and do something different with a dark and brooding one. Would you agree with that? No, I that no, that's interesting. No, it can't, now I kind of want to continue with the conversation <laughs> almost with that in mind, you know? Yeah. Let's, with that idea, like, let's switch to the colorful movies okay. and just kind of see if that sort of adds up for us. I think that since we're on Marvel, I think the the gold standard, if, if the Dark Knight trilogy is the gold standard on the gritty side, I think the Avengers movies would be the gold standard on the flip side. I agree, so, yeah. So uh, let's just start with that. So the Avengers... Much, much, much brighter take. Yes. The Hulk is literally vibrant green. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just just, just character-wise, right. it's a much, much brighter movie. And I think that almost begs the question, do ensembles work better mm-hmm. as colorful films versus uh, a solo set? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know either. But as far as the... Just thinking about the Avengers as a whole... They got better as they went on, and we I think Larry and I've talked sure. about this before, where the first Avengers was great at the time, but then as the movies mm-hmm. evolved and you go back and watch it, it it is still very cartoonish and not quite as even in tone as when the Russo brothers took over with you know for sure when they when they kind of took over from the uh Captain America movies. So yeah, and then ensemble. That's a lot. That's a lot to chew on and think about. Well, so we've been talking about directors a lot. Um, you know, Joss Whedon yeah. fam- famously did the first one, and then Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. And and I'm in. I'm one of the ones that's in the camp that Age of Ultron is a better movie than it gets credit for yeah, being. Yeah. 
and and everybody kind of knew that it was a middle movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it was. I feel like people were asking too much of the film, and if you just watch it on its own, it's not a bad superhero oh, yeah, yeah. movie. Uh, it, it introduces some important elements that they build on, the whole Sokovia mm-hmm. thing, you know, all that sort of stuff. But those two movies, like you're saying, clearly are, are you know, kind of the toddler phase of the franchise, you know, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, but I, I still think they hold yeah. up um, for, for bright, colorful movies they could deal with dark, gritty things mm-hmm. i mean the whole sokovia right, thing right you know. i was gonna say when you think about uh, the, even with those two i remember even my review of age of ultron back when i was doing you know back doing more reviews i talked about how dark age of ultron was compared to all the other marvel movies up to that point yeah even the dark world maybe <laughs> let's not talk about that one though yeah but but yeah with the yeah, kind of yeah with the scarlet witch and and those kind of getting into the mystical powers and stuff it did. It did lean more on that dark edge, but it was still bright and colorful. But it still kind of played with that a little bit um, emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah, and got far more real world in its themes mm-hmm. in a very literal way. You know, it, it dealt with uh, real world international politics yeah. and you know all this sort of stuff. So you're you're absolutely right in that. For me, it works. I mean, I like the the colorful take on the Avengers. Mm-hmm. If they had tried, I it's very difficult for me to imagine a world in which you made the Avengers and it was a a dark, gritty movie. Yeah. That does not lend itself to noir filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I don't I don't know that that one would have worked even if you you had brightened yeah. it up. I, I hate to jump back into DC world, but since we bring up Josh Whedon. I guess we kind of have to talk about the different <laughs> Justice Leagues because the, yeah. the the Joss Whedon Justice League tried to bring that bright and colorful world to a dark story that Zack Snyder had begun with uh, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And then when, he, when yeah. he was able to give his full version of the Zack Snyder cut, you really got two completely different movies. And we all agreed that the darker version was better. But I think this goes back yeah, to the. 100%. I think this goes back to the director. He knew what he wanted. He knew the tone that he was already setting, and I think that's yeah. why the original Justice or the Joss Whedon Justice League felt so wrong because it aborted the the tone that was already set by the two movies leading up to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we we were. Talking about gritty directors, I don't know that <laughs> that Zack Snyder understands colors. Right, like right. he is I mean, a, he want, a dark and brooding. Yeah, dude. he wants his movies in black and white. Like he shot Justice League yeah. to be in black and white. So, and you know, we yeah. we kind of we kind of talked about Nolan, but I think Snyder just you know he's the he he might be the top of the list as far as dark and brooding. Well, uh, he might be more dark and brooding. I don't know if he makes better movies. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Touche, my friend. So, Touche. Not not that I dislike Zack Snyder. Yeah, I, no, no, no. You know, I, I, but uh, yeah, that that whole project had its issues. And man, that is an interesting point, though. I hadn't thought about that. But I remember thinking at the time, even like these two dudes have very different storytelling yes. styles. Um. You know, 
Joss Whedon is not incapable of getting dark and gritty. I mean, he did Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer, which which can be dark, but it's like campy right, dark. Right, right. You he know what I mean? He knew how to like, add humor and lightness. Once again, let's go back to like something like The Joker or like Logan. Those are not funny movies. You can't, there's not a whole lot of hu- no. humor you can add into those movies to lighten the tone. They're, they're going, they're right. going all the way dark. Yeah. So that, I think that going, I think we're kind of talking, I think this has become more of a director's discussion than a colorful versus light discussion, well, I mean, which rightfully so. Yeah. But some directors know how to, or some, some directors know what they want to do and some that don't <laughs> or can't find that yep. right balance of dark and brooding with some light attached to it. So. So we couldn't talk about this uh, on Laramie's podcast, even though we took over and he's not here. <laughs> you can't mention the bright and colorful movies uh, on the the superhero genre without bringing up Christopher Reeve's of Superman. Of course, of course, he would he would not allow he would make us re-record this entire episode <laughs> if we didn't. So yeah, and and that's yeah. once again and and I would say those are the gold standard, even more so than the Marvel Cinematic Universe as bright, okay. bright and colorful superhero movies because it jump-started so much and i mean that i mean you it had to be because tim burton's batman was almost i'm not saying i'm not gonna do the the super shiny super bright superhero movie i'm going the exact opposite direction with his version of batman you know so yeah to be fair though batman batman's never been a bright yeah, yeah, shiny yeah. character i mean so, so that even in the comic books, you go way back, and that's true. You have, you have very bright and you know all daytime panels mm-hmm. in a, in Superman comics, and you have all nighttime dark yeah. detective nighttime stuff going on with Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you know nothing's better than the the Cape Crusader sitting on top of a building with the rain pouring. Mm-hmm. And flip side is nothing is cooler than Superman flying through a bright cloud in the middle. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's those those characters do that yeah. too. But yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I I don't know. So I'm gonna throw a gauntlet down since Laramie's not here. I'm gonna have to do an episode with him one day. I kind of disagree with Laramie. I don't think Superman movies. I don't think the Chris Reeves movies started comic book movies uh in in the sense of like what we have today i think it was kind of a uh, an interesting one-off because you don't have much made after the superman movies yeah. uh, but that neither here nor there they still are superhero movies mm-hmm. comic book movies and they are bright shiny beautiful movies even when things are going poorly you know the the hoover dam is busting mm-hmm. and you know <laughs> it's still bright yeah. it's a bright beautiful scene so um how did those movies uh, it, it's almost unfair to compare them with everything we've been talking about that were made, you know, circa the 2000s. Yeah. But uh, does that work for you as a as a colorful film? Yeah, I think it does. And, in you know, let's, you look at it in comparison with, well, once again, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, where it was much a darker yeah. version of a Superman story. Uh, darker hues to the suit. I mean, even a darker, somewhat of a story yeah. of his upbringing and that kind of thing. Or not, you know, not his upbringing was terrible, but just he kind of told a bit more of a story with, you know, Mom, Pa, Kent. But uh, I forgot my lost my train of thought now. Um, well, I, I think that's an interesting film to look at from what you're talking about, too, uh, because my favorite parts of that movie are the bright parts. Mm-hmm. 
because he, he did he yeah. did do some yeah. stuff. The bus scene is brilliant yeah. to me, like the the glaring sun off the water mm-hmm. and and all that sort of stuff. And so when Zack Snyder decides to put on his color hat and do a little compare and contrast, mm-hmm. he makes some really really beautiful oh, setups. Yeah. Oh yeah, and so p- parts of that movie. To, to your point, I think the parts of that movie that work the best for me are when it's bright. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, come on, let's be honest. That is Superman. Yeah. Superman oh, yeah, yeah. is intended to yeah. be, you know, in, inspirational. Mm-hmm. Not not a um, not a dark and, and in the shadows character. Which, of course, is why, uh, you know, Justice League type stuff, Batman and Superman together, is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Because you have uh, your polar opposite philosophical yeah. views on yeah. how to fight evil, uh, so that that's what makes it interesting. But um, but yeah, the Chris Reeve movies. I, I mean, I don't see where you can critique. No, them, no. Uh, as it, it well, well I mean, <laughs> the first one. We'll, we'll say the first two. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, that they obviously got campier and yeah. campier, and so. Um, you know, if you were going to do like a, a case study on colorful versus gritty, I think that would be an interesting one to do because they lean too hard into colorful. Yeah. It gets silly. Yeah. But once but the again, first, yeah. the first movie is, is a masterpiece. Yeah. And then going back to, if you want to go back and listen to us talk in depth about Superman one and two, Laramie and I both done those episodes. Mm-hmm. So feel free to jump back and listen to those. But you know, Superman was itself it became uneven as it went on because no one had ever done that before. Just like you said, it, it, there, yeah. there weren't any other movies at that time because no, I don't know if they just were afraid to touch it, but you also had the TV shows going on at the same time. You had incredible Hulk was on TV. They had tried to do Spider-Man on TV, maybe just a special effects. They didn't want, they didn't have, that was such big budget money to spend for special effects. And of course they got worse as the, as the franchise went on, but that was, that's its own behind the scenes story with the producers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, it really, what you're right. It really wasn't until Batman 89 that the super, another superhero movie was made on, on that level. Yeah. So, and those, and once again, kind of back to the same thing, Superman one, and we'll say one and two super bright, colorful blockbuster movies. Even three was a blockbuster, even though it wasn't as good of a movie. And then the Dark Knight, which was, I mean, uh, Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, which was much darker in tone and, you know, different character, still made a buttload of money. So they both work. They they both work when they're done well. And I think that we're talking about if it's done well, whether it's dark and brooding or it's bright and colorful, we just want a great comic book movie more than we want. I think I think that's kind of what we've said kind of going, you know, that was our thought at the beginning is we just want a great superhero movie, whether it's dark and brooding or not. I don't think that's going to, yeah. I don't think one turns me off more than the other. Like I'm going to watch it whether either way, I just want to see a great superhero movie adapted from a great comic. Yeah. And I think you've alluded to this a couple of times uh, that probably the best of the best kind of falls somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and, and deal with both. Well, yeah. So uh, you brought up Batman 1989 several times. I, I kind of would argue that it's one of those that that kind of strides in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, it does it does have some humor elements. Yep. I mean, come on, the the casting of Bruce Wayne Batman was genius. Yeah. Tim Burton is, I mean, come on, he's he's <laughs> a Hall of Fame director if that were a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so you know he he knows what he's doing, but 
you know, he got so much criticism for yeah. that when, yeah. when he cast Michael Keaton as Batman. And he was so good. And I think that's part of it. To, to your point, I think that having a guy who could walk that line, who could be funny and add some comedy, but also kind of had a dark edge to him mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, that really works for that yeah. movie. Even though, you know, obviously the the literal tone of that movie is pretty dark. Yeah. But he, there's still some yeah. color elements. The bright yellow yeah. badge yeah. on exactly. his chest. You know, when you get to Zack Snyder, it's a bizarre, <laughs> different color gray yeah. bat that's integrated into the suit. Right. It's not this, like, bright, iconic mm-hmm. visual mm-hmm. that you have in that movie. So, uh, they're definitely... And the Joker. I mean, that he is You're a colorful, very yeah. bright and colorful, colorful character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, it's, and it's funny because you say that because it's almost... There's the yin and yang of that movie. You know, Batman is the mm-hmm. dark... It, it kind of flips it on its ear where, you know, the the, the good guy always yeah. wears white and the bad guy always wears black. And here you've got that cult, yeah. you know, put it on its head where Batman is the one in all black with the yellow symbol. And then you've got the Joker who's white faced and, you know, purple and green, you know, suit and, you know, bright colors. Like, wait, who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy here? <laughs> Spraying acid from a flower <laughs> yeah. on his lapel, you know, right. like, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a very interesting movie. No, that and and clearly, uh, at least to uh, people of our age, mm-hmm. <laughs> it clearly works really yeah. well. It's one of my favorite yeah, exactly. movies. Uh, Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Man, we just keep going back to directors, but James I mean, Gunn. I would argue that James Gunn is also one of the ones that bridges that the best. Like he clearly has kind of a darker sensibility right overall, but he Even understands though, how to play with yeah. color and humor. I was going to say to to. To exactly to your point, the new Suicide Squad is very dark in its humor and its tone and its violence, but it's one of the brightest colored movies you would see. I mean, he's just, yeah. it's exploding with color. And it's almost like, once yeah. again, the director's just saying, you know, oh, you think you got us figured out here? Let me, let me show you what I, let me show you what I can do. I can give you this dark, you know, this dark movie about villains who are going to be superheroes and I'm going to put them all in the brightest colors you can think of and make them look bright and shiny yeah. to just kind of mess with your mind anyway. So, cause yeah, I, and, and I don't really, I can't think of gardens of galaxy as being bright or dark. I think it is a good mix of the mm-hmm. two together, which is probably why I love it so much. One of my favorite Marvel movies, because it, it has yeah. that it's so well balanced with the humor and the dark and the tone and everything all together. Well, and I, I mean, uh, this is not some eye-opening take or anything, but <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, the, but and the music yeah. he does, yeah. he J- James Gunn is such a good storyteller uh, of texture mm-hmm. and and building a emotional universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there were a handful of us who knew what the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. were. They weren't exactly a super successful comic book, right? So, you know, I can remember having a conversation with Laramie about that. And um, I'm more of the Marvel guy, so I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But (laughs) I knew who the Guardians were, at least. Mm. And he was kind of like, yeah, I very vaguely know this Star-Lord guy, you know, kind of thing. And then, like you're saying, arguably the best of the Marvel movies uh, up until that point, for sure. Like It's such a well-made film. Especially for, like you said, Um, for an ensemble film that for the characters that nobody really knew anything about to win over audiences mm-hmm. as easily as it did 
is saying something for the the director and the writing and the team and the actors. I mean, is well perfectly cast, even down to you know Rocket Raccoon being voiced by uh, Bradley Cooper, which I, is still one of my favorite performances. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, it, that's that's just kudos to them to be able to do that. So this might be a little more controversial of a take, but I would say that the 2000 X-Men is one of the ones that walks the line very yeah. good, very well. Whether you care for the movie in hindsight, if it holds up or not, I think they did a good job of trying to make it realistic but not going too mm-hmm. dark. I mean, they even joke about that uh, the, the whole thing about uh, Wolverine's like, I'm not wearing you know that costume yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so they decided to have a, a literally uh, real world aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like they're dressed in, you know, kind of leather biker gear that you could argue would be mildly protective, <laughs> you know, right, in, right. in a fight kind of right. thing. So, so yeah. I, but I, I personally feel like that movie works well as one that that walks the line between dark. I and I agree, and I would say even that that franchise or the beginning parts of that franchise did that really well. I would agree with that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the first three. I know me and Larry are going to have that conversation about X-Men three. Cause I'm actually mm-hmm. a fan of the last stand. I don't think it's yeah. a perfect movie, but yeah. I don't think it, I don't think I, I, people think people tend to harp on it more than I think it deserves in my opinion. But I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it has its plot holes and stuff. And unfortunately, <laughs> As every X-Men movie well, has done. So, yeah, for sure. Not to go too deep into that one, but I think the problem with X3 is it was too conclusive. So everything they made after X3, they had to just negate yeah. stuff that happened in that right. movie because it 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 literally killed too many characters. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah. But, but I think that franchise holds up to what we're talking about. It's a blend of, of gritty and re, you know, real quote unquote real world and colorful, um, you know, playful other world aesthetic. Cause uh, again, like back to my weird philosophical point at the beginning, like I don't understand what it is that like gritty is the default for quote unquote real world. Yeah. And when you make, shiny bright beautiful movies somehow that doesn't seem set in reality it pulls it into this and i mean you have brilliant well not to get way off topic (laughs) but you have brilliant other other genre movies that do that Mm -hmm. well i mean sunshine of the spotless Mm -hmm. mind like you know stuff that that plays with the idea that we're talking about but it's it's very interesting to me that you know you would look at Chris Reeves Superman and and that's a less real world movie than the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. I'm like my my world isn't all in gray tone, <laughs> right. you know. So right. I I think that's a really really interesting thing. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, but yeah, I think you can be bright and still be grounded in reality just as much as you can be grounded in reality with dark and brooding. And once again, I think it's just perspective. I think it's it's. Kind of how that director, yeah. you know, sees the world, more or less. At least that's my thought, anyway. So so we've solved this problem. It's all down to direction. We just blame <laughs> the director and for good or yeah. bad, right? For, for today, at least. <laughs> we, we may change our mind in a couple hours. Yeah. We'll call each other later and be like, man, I, I mean, totally blew it. No, it's this. It's this. This is the key. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's definitely something to be said in the fact that that was the default for both of us as we discussed this was... 
Um, you know, Chris Nolan, that's how he makes mm-hmm. movies. Zack Snyder, that is how he makes yeah. movies. You know, that sort of thing. And it seems like the best of the best uh, blend it to varying levels, mm-hmm. at, at least. Yeah. You know, so um, balance is key. Man. Balance is balance. As, yeah. as Thanos taught us, balance is key. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome callback. Yeah, um, man, what a great conversation. I, I had. Uh, I would have thrown 1989 Batman like squarely into the gritty camp, mm-hmm. but the more we talked about it, like that is a brighter movie than you remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that sort of thing. So that's that's really it's been a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Well, I've been I've been stealing the show as the uh, stand-in. Do you want to close us out here, I Tim? I will. Thanks everybody for listening to this one shot of moving panels. Definitely uh, follow Moving Panels on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, TikTok. And uh, until next time, for uh, Laramie, Chad, and myself, we'll see you guys on the other side of the page. love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes and VCRs and video rental stores? Is the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? If you want to go back to school, back to the future, or even back to the beach, then the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is for you. I'm Tim Williams, the creator and host, and on each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host as we revisit a different 80s flick to discuss our first-time watch memories, iconic scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. New episodes drop every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast.